Welcome back to the Global Greek Influence Podcast. I'm Panagiotou Pimenidou. To be up to date with the podcast news, you can subscribe, like, and review the Global Greek Influence Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Amazon Music, and six more podcasting platforms. You can contact the Global Greek Influence through the podcast, Facebook, and Twitter accounts, the podcast website, globalgreekinfluence.com, and LinkedIn page. Dr. Alexandros Nikitas is my guest today. Since 2015, Alexandros has been situated at the University of Huddersfield in the United Kingdom, where he is a reader in Smart Transport, Future Mobility Lab Founding Director, Deputy Director of the Behavioral Research Center. Alexandros is also Chair of the University's Transport Study in the United Kingdom with tenure between 2022 and 2025. His research portfolio includes travel behavior and attitudinal and road user experience studies in transportation. Alexandros has a Master's of Engineering from the University of Durham, which he acquired in 2002, an MSc in Transport, Planning and Engineering from the Edinburgh Napier University, a Master of Arts in Applied Social Research and Built Environment with Merit at the University of West England, and finally, a PhD in the area of Transport and Society from the same university back in 2010. Alexandros has been academically active in Greece, the United Kingdom, China, and Sweden before joining the University of Huddersfield and between 2012 and 2015, Alexandros was a senior researcher in urban futures and transportation for the Division of Design and Human Factors at Chalmers University of Technology in Sweden. Alexandros has also been a research advisor and associate coordinator of the Sino-Swedish program LIP Sankai, initiated by the Swedish Mistra Urban Futures, a premier urban development center of international appeal. Finally, Alexandros served as a local councillor in his hometown, the city of Drama in Greece, from 2011 to 2014. Welcome to the show, Alexander. Thank you so much for this information-driven uh, introduction. It's my honor to be here, and I'm very happy for this invitation. Thank you so much for doing this. Yot, I believe it has merits to presenting people that have to say something to the world. I'm very glad and honored to have you here with us, Alexandre. And we're going to go through this discussion primarily from the perspective of your expertise and to see what opportunities and challenges we have in the future transport and making travel future sustainable. The COVID-19 pandemic has further delayed the already slow progress toward the sustainable development goals, including the future transportation. Providing more sustainable transportation, including its services and infrastructure, is not only about technologies that combat climate change, but transformative action established in society. Through the study of the strategies and beliefs of critical actors, for example, car manufacturers, local and national government citizens, car drivers, transport planners, and civil society, what are the challenges and implications of the socio-technical transition to sustainable future transportation? Sustainable transport is uh, something of, uh, of big uh, importance and uh, significant magnitude. We have to change our ways dramatically in order to be able to enjoy livable futures. Transportation is one of the most important 
polluters of uh, our planet nowadays. So we need to engage to more sustainable, more people-centric travel behavior. This means that we have to replace human-driven, uh, oil-fueled, unintelligent vehicles with, with, with active transportation, walking, cycling, with uh, smart transport technologies that actually allow for more sustainable travel. Public transport should be the cornerstone of every different intervention we do. So nowadays we have to, to, to actually go to, to more uh, flexible situations, prioritize people over cars, which is very, very important, push for shared transportation, for active transportation, for public transport-oriented transportation, create new ways of actually dealing with all transport problems, for example, investing more and more in electrically fueled or hydrogen-fueled vehicles, but it's about actually creating a model shift, leaving the car behind, leaving the era of automobility and going to an era that is people-centric. It's about people walking, people cycling. This will only make a good in terms of uh, health, in terms of environmental protection, accessibility, societal cohesiveness, and uh, integration. So... This is the path that we have to go through. And now we have the technology to actually allow us to facilitate this type of transition. So we see that the challenges we actually have for sustainable future travels does not only go through the current technologies we consider to incorporate in our transportation within our cities to make them more sustainable, more livable. But uh, we see that there is a need for a change in the mindset of the end users who are mm -hmm. the citizens, in a sense to be trained and educated what the sustainable travel futures entails for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it's about behavioral change. It's about creating a different type of education that is pro-environmental. It's about redirecting people from cars to more sustainable ways of traveling. And it's about information provision, good information provision to allow awareness about the climate change threat, about the opportunities that COVID gives us. Because COVID was a huge challenge transport-wise for transition to more active transportation. You see how many, how many bike sharing schemes, how many cycling infrastructure schemes and walking and pedestrian facilities were introduced because of COVID. So this was a golden opportunity in a sense to actually push us towards more sustainable forms of transportation. And now, since uh, the war has started in uh, Ukraine, we see also some logistical aspects that we should consider in this future travel challenges? Yeah, you see, I think the war, it's not the reason why these have been created. I think these are underlined for many, many years. And these are, you know, now they, they are kind of, this procedure was accelerated and now they are in our doorstep. But these problems is about uh, our dependency on oil, I think and other uh, similar forms of, 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 of uh, fueling. And we have to actually try more and more to go towards more renewable energy sources. And this is an opportunity again to actually make this shift. But we have to make it 
in a people-centric way that it's not super expensive for the common, the average user and people. We will see through the studies you commenced and uh, have been published other socio-technical aspects we should consider for our future travels. This year, you published a work titled The Deceitful, Connected and Autonomous Vehicle, defining the concept, contextualizing its dimensions and proposing mitigation policies. In this research article, you explored the connected and autonomous vehicle as an emerging mobility technology, which could be used as a case study of changing potential for the future of transport policy and planning. What is the deceit of the connected and autonomous vehicles? Okay, excellent example to, to start getting deeper into intelligent transportation. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk about that, Yota. So this is a work I authored together with two exceptional colleagues of mine, uh, Mauro Valati and Simon Parkinson. And it's about connected and autonomous vehicles. It's about the driveless vehicles that you see with a Wi-Fi uh, and IoT functions, Internet of Things functions that will allow them to, to talk with, with uh, other vehicles and the overall transport network system. So this is the connected and autonomous vehicle, a vehicle that can actually navigate on its own without the need for a driver, and it can communicate with all the different actors of a transport uh, ecosystem. The deceitfulness, the deceit, is the ability that these connected and autonomous vehicles might have to cheat the system and potentially be weaponized. We have to pro proactively shield our transport system by allocating uh, weights uh, in the potential uh, troubles that these vehicles could create. So these vehicles can generate disruption for tomorrow's travel ecosystems because they are vulnerable to cyber threats, to hacking, to misinformation, to manipulation. So you can have users, traffic controllers, third parties actually manipulating this vehicle. And creating disruption to the system because they use them in deceitful ways, distorting route and control functionality for selfish or malicious reasons. I'll give you a few examples. So some people actually want to create uh, depression and devaluation de of a particular area. So they can actually program these vehicles to create traffic congestion, specifically in parts of the area that they want to buy potentially cheaper. A simpler example, you have... Uh, vehicles that actually want to prioritize themselves and have a quicker time from A to B. So they actually could give false alarms to the system to give them always green light to go. So they cheat, they get time savings, they, they, they treat the system in a selfish way to actually gain these uh, profits from a quicker transition from A to B. So I give you a few examples, one very massive, and goes well beyond transportation, one very kind of uh, user-centric that can happen to anybody. To follow up on the previous question and answer, why could artificial intelligence lead to more sustainable transport further to protecting connected and autonomous vehicles? Mm -hmm. Artificial intelligence is a very powerful thing. It's about uh, giving human intelligence and even superhuman intelligence to, to physical uh, objects. Uh, 
So uh, AI could be a means to make vehicles significantly smarter, uh, roads, motorways significantly smarter, allow every system in a transport uh, network to actually function and harmonize and work very well together so that you achieve uh, lessening traffic delays, uh, lessening traffic accidents, improving accident prevention, uh, making uh, social inclusion and accessibility uh, something much easier to achieve, uh, reducing human effort as well and cognitive difficulties. So it's, it's, it's a door that we can open and could provide us with extremely beneficial opportunities. But at the same time, as every novel technology, we have to be cautious and we have to respect the way we actually apply things. Because uh, I'm having another paper that talks about that, something that could be uh, a blessing could end up becoming a catastrophe. So we have to understand that there are red thin lines in the way uh, things uh, develop for the transport ecosystem of the future. We will see later on some other implications that um, connected and autonomous vehicles as well as multimodal travel have for our society, especially for current professionals, which is going to be about my next question. Multimodal travel applies different modes of transport to produce a consistent and smooth door-to-door -door travel experience, including the transport to convey goods to their final destination, reducing transit costs and delivery lead times. In that sense, multimodal travel is essential to potentially decarbonize transport and reduce air pollution and congestion in our cities. Why is too much reliance on clean vehicle engineering not enough for multimodal travel? Mm -hmm. So, uh, cleaner, uh, clean vehicle engineering, cleaner engines are an asset are something potentially very beneficial. They could reduce uh, uh, fumes, they could reduce emissions, but it's only a very small tool in the wider toolkit of change that we need to embrace. So it is very, very important to understand that the number one priority is to raise awareness about the problems that can be tackled by a more effective, livable, and sustainable transportation system. Raise awareness educate, inform people appropriately so that they can take the best possible decisions for themselves and the people they love and the society as a whole and change the travel behavior and making it more sustainable, making sure that they actually uh, help the environment enjoy benefits, help the system uh, be less constrained and less uh, frustrated because of excessive uh, traffic congestion and it's about understanding the need to act fast, to act effectively in people-centric ways. We have to understand the society and try to change them incrementally and through using good examples and, uh, and uh, actually ways that combine sticks and carrots, yes? So technology is part of the solution, but it's not the whole solution. I believe behavior change, information provision, and education are of equal status. And obviously, because this leads to policy reform. 
okay, in planning. You are the founding director of uh, the Future Mobility Lab at Huddersfield Business School of the University of Huddersfield. The Future Mobility Lab explores the opportunities and challenges concerning transport decarbonization to create a livable and more sustainable future. What does the Future Mobility Lab offer to the research community and society? Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of this achievement. This is uh, the establishment of a new lab, the Future Mobility Lab, which is an internal University of Huddersfield investment, and it's part of our new Sustainable Living Research Center. So our focus is about creating smart solutions for sustainable uh, urban futures. We look to promote the study of sustainable, social inclusive mobility studies, and at the same time, examine the potential of automated, connected, alternative fueled and shared transport. And all of them should be packaged in a way that actually inspires, promotes and encourages travel behavior change. And when I say travel behavior change, I mean model shift from private uh, oil-based vehicles to something different. It's about an effort that strengthens uh, all uh, the tries to actually support decarbonizing transportation uh, by making private car less indispensable or dramatically smarter when uh, replacing it is not possible. And this is something very, very critical when we discuss that uh, transport is one of the number one polluters uh, of uh, the planet and the environment. It's very, very important to actually change our ways and support the creation of more livable futures in, by providing more sustainable travel options. So the Future Mobility Lab tries to look at, examine, study innovations like the connected autonomous vehicles that we discussed, the mobility as a service intervention, electrical vehicles, micro-mobility and micro-mobility is bike sharing, scooter sharing, uh, this type of options, Hyperloop, which is like a bullet train that operates inside pipelines and it's like something that a lot of people might have heard uh, from uh, the ideas of Elon Musk and uh, Richard Branson uh, about uh, pipe-based transport. Then we have the personal aerial vehicles, so it's autonomous vehicles that actually fly flying cars. Let's see how this can work. This will be a major a disruption of the system that we know nowadays. And maybe it's about the revitalization of already existing and already proving to be nice initiatives like transit-oriented development, bike sharing, cycling in general, walking school buses. And then we have to combine them with, with measures that have a stick kind of element like road pricing, parking management, and so on. So what we actually try to do is to provide an interdisciplinary work packages that combines business, management, behavioral planning, and engineering approaches to study this transition to better futures. And our end goal is to help policymakers, traffic engineers, transport providers to become more intelligent, more pro-environmental, being more research efficient and support uh, changes towards better health and well-being, equitable and safe transportation. I understand that all these projects have an impact to the local societies where they are launched, right? You talked mm -hmm. about numerous projects. And I'm wondering, 
how would the outcomes of those projects and giving the opportunity to small uh, scale to be incorporated in a national strategy or even to inform uh, international strategies. I understand that the United Kingdom is no longer part of the European Union, is no longer a European Union member state, but still uh, the United Kingdom contributes to the research and innovation funds of the European Union, which means that the country can participate in future uh, research and innovation collaboration with other EU member states. So let's say if we talk about innovation in uh, policy, in future policies for sustainable transportation, how would these lessons be implemented in these new policies? As an engineer, I always had that question, how these outcomes are interpreted and taken to the policymakers and brought to the society. Myself, my team, and my colleagues and the Future Mobility Lab as a whole, we are all about applied research, Yota. So what we try to do is to create knowledge that is actually transferable to society and introduce, support, inform. Uh, we are very proud of, of some of our collaborations. We are working together with Kirklis Council, the local authority, to actually promote micro-mobility, share mobility and mobility as a service initiative to a local area in West Yorkshire, uh, the Huddersfield area and beyond. So we're going to do uh, pilot pilots and we're going to try to understand uh, how people could behave uh, around these uh, interventions mobility hubs for instance it's, it's a place where you actually put together all modes of active public and shared based transportation and you brought a few mobility hubs and you potentially push people towards using more sustainable means of transportation we have an amazing collaboration with the national technical university of athens and we're doing a lot of research about bike sharing, about uh, electrical charging and where you place uh, stations. Um, we've, and these are actually affecting policymaking. I gave you the example of local policymaking in Huddersfield. I give you the example of what is happening in Athens. Uh, we have great collaboration with, with, with the general secretary of the Hellenic uh, Ministry of Environment and Energy. Uh, my dear friend, Dr. Eftimus Bakoyanis, and a lot of the research we are doing actually goes to policymaking straight away. And this is the good type of policymaking informed by research that is actually people-centric. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm very proud of this collaboration. We have an amazing collaboration with Chalmers University of Technology in Sweden, in Gothenburg, where I used to, to work. I'm a visiting professor for them now, and uh, they, they're actually going to have me for a month there and we're going to work together for initiatives that are about uh, Sweden and how we can actually support Gothenburg in their uh, very high sustainability goals. So a lot of the research we are doing actually is about inspiring people to work to more, more user-friendly and pro-environmental transportation. This is the end game. It's about changing the world. It's not just about describing methodological and analytical approaches. One last question, Alexandra, before the end of our discussion. 
sustainability development goals, including those in transport, not only target combating climate change, but also eradicating poverty in all its dimensions, reducing inequality through, for example, empowering women. How could sustainable travel futures become socially inclusive? It, it, it's, it's very, very important for me. Uh, the element of inclusivity, of social inclusion and accessibility and uh, fighting against poverty is, is, is very, very important for the very term of sustainability. Uh, a system cannot be sustainable if it's not be if it's not inclusive or accessible or equitable or offering opportunities or having diversity providing diversity so the travel ecosystem of tomorrow needs to invest in shared systems in connected systems in autonomous systems that will allow everybody to have access to inexpensive travel despite ownership age or physical or gender ability it's about creating networks promoting decarbonization and this is so very inclusive in its definition because by providing cleaner air we actually uh, give access to people to natural resources and uh, therefore you know it's it's it's, it's something uh, of colossal importance when we're dealing with smart and sustainable the agenda of social inclusion every everything is about that it's about destroying barriers allowing people to actually access the system in the way they want to access it and uh, get dividends from this access. So we have to uh, to force in uh, destroying and disrupting all the potential barriers and challenges and make the systems very, very accessible. Even this, for example, I'll give you an example, this technology-driven uh, interventions that we discussed, connecting autonomous vehicles or mobility as a service, you need to have information workshops for people that are of a certain age to actually educate them, inform them of how they can use these systems. You cannot leave these people behind. They need to be part of the transition and an important part of the transition. They need to have the same rights of accessibility like everybody else. This is just an example. So sustainable in some ways equates uh, uh, in inclusive. Thank you, Alexandre, for accepting the invitation to the Global Creek Influence podcast and discussing the opportunities and challenges in creating sustainable travel futures. It was a very interesting conversation. Uh, I'm very glad to, take, to have taken part in this. Uh, thank you so very much for your invitation. And I hope uh, we created some uh, ideas for good change to your uh, listeners and viewers. It was a pleasure to have this discussion with you, Alexander. Thank you all for staying until the end. Stay tuned for another podcast episode every two Sundays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and seven more podcasting platforms. For more exciting live stream interviews, subscribe to the YouTube channel Yota Pimenidu and hit the notification button. Until next time.